Mother's Day is around the corner. Find the perfect gift for the mom in your life with a stunning piece of jewelry from Blue Nile. From timeless pearls to dazzling gemstones, Blue Nile has something she'll adore. Need it fast? Most items can ship overnight. Plus, enjoy guaranteed free shipping and returns. Don't miss our special Mother's Day deals. Save big on the season's most beautiful trends. For a limited time, get up to 50% off by going to BlueNile.com. That's BlueNile.com. Burrow is a furniture company known for timeless design and thoughtful construction. And free shipping. And that extends to their outdoor collection. Their outdoor furniture is built to withstand the elements. Featuring rust-proof stainless steel hardware, weather-ready teak, and quick-dry foam cushions. For Memorial Day, get 15% off your Burrow purchase at burrow.com slash ACAST and up to 25% off outdoor. That's up to 25% off outdoor furniture at burrow.com slash ACAST. Hello everybody and welcome to the last ever review of an Emmanuel in space movie from your frosty fellas. It's your boys, Timbo and Guy Guy. And we've just finished, ah oh, crap, what was this one called Guy? We've just finished to Emmanuel 7, The Meaning of Love. The Meaning of Love. We're back in lockdown too, so we're, we're apart. Yeah, yeah, and um... Yeah, the 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 Emmanuel theme song, which you have been singing pretty much since we began this call until recording, and even then, sometime during the record, mm-hmm. is sort of it's now it's it's sort of reached the um sort of Pavlovian worst idea of all time dread. You might remember from such films as Grown Ups Two, Sex in the City Two, Sex in the City One. We are your friends. That is, uh, it's sort of seeped into the inner mechanics of my brain and represents something to be feared. And today, Tim, that fear was somewhat well-founded because <laughs> Emmanuel 7, The Meaning of Love, is a totally unearned flashback episode. Well, I actually thought it was kind of nice to end our trip with a reminder of what the trip has been. Really? Yeah, I kind of liked the little walk down the, memory lane. The, the idea that this series is building towards, like, you know, some sort of articulation of what love is. I mean, suggested in the very title, The Meaning of Love. And then instead, they're just like, remember all of these times and places we fucked? Oh, boy, didn't we have some laughs along the way? See you later, Emmanuel. Off you go back to Earth. Do you reckon any other pornos, like, treat their franchise like this? Uh, well, the guy, the, the, there was a producer involved with this, Emmanuel, who is, um, I, I don't know if other softcore franchises do the same, but I think his fingerprints are all over this one. And he's also, he helms the next few installments of Emmanuel. So I think mm-hmm. maybe in these ones, because they've obviously got a formula they're working towards and it is kind of working for them. Mm. But 
I think the probably the question is less about softcore pornos and more about general franchises. How many franchises would build towards a climax? Which is a pardon, um, the, pardon the pun. Yeah, which is a double entendre. What entendre is French mm. for meaning, I guess. Yeah, that's probably right. The French language cracks me up. Intent, maybe. No, that does, no, it's probably not right. Anyway, like double intent. But how many franchises across any medium would build yeah. to a climax that is then just them rehashing all of the build-up they've provided? It is disrespectful. Yeah, I mean, look, it's cost-effective, isn't it? Which, at the end of the day, we've got to pay some some attention to. Well, are we, the production are we itself fucking, as an entity. Are we engaging with this franchise as producers or punters? It's hard to say. Are we, are we, you know, engaging with this as people who are crunching the numbers and pushing pencils, or a couple of guys, penises in hand, just trying to make ends meet? We open with Trisha, who is sometimes called Tasha and sometimes called Trisha, which is really apparent considering we've got a mashup of all the six previous movies. It can be difficult to remember a character's name across so- multiple installments. Tasha and Tr- or Trisha, whichever her name is, uh, appears in bullfight in Spain and manages to bag a matador on a shag pile rug in a like st- cold, stony room after being told to leave several times. Yeah, and that she can't be in there because she's a woman. And um, I was trying to figure out: is this a dream sequence at the start? Is that her I think, having? I think it's not a dream sequence. I think she was like. Before everyone else comes to the motherboard and starts an honest day's labor on the sexy spaceship, I think Trisha or Tasha, whatever you want to call her, got up early, had a steaming hot cup of Java, and just punched in like half an hour before everyone else to go fuck a matador in Spain. And for me, Tim, it was a case of deja vu all over again because I could swear to God someone had already had sex with a matador in this. Yeah, I mean, it was her, right? Was it? Well, yeah, that's the whole. I mean, everything in this movie is we're just seeing stuff. I know, but that was that was before they even introduced the. Let me remind you of what you've learned by showing you everything. This is how I remind you of how we did fuck. Yeah, um, I I sort of the Matador scene was kind of funny. She like she I it I don't know. It was was hot. It was an an early. He was hot and a good actor. Every pretty much. Everyone sucks at acting in this, but I reckon that Matador was pretty good. She, she was awful. Trisha She's or Tasha so was doing fucking bad. Such a bad job. She so was like bad. delivering her lines like a robot. Yeah. Um, the way you danced with the beast, it was incredible. And then he starts nuzzling her knee, and she pretty much has an orgasm on impact. And I really enjoyed the way that they would intercut the um, that intercut. The the, bull the, matador, the matador and Trisha having sex, yeah, with footage of an actual bullfight in case we sort of missed the metaphor that they were <laughs> slamming into our face with a fucking shovel. Yeah, well, she literally was like waving a red uh, cloth in front of him, right? And they had yeah. a, little, uh, a little bit of that going on. Um, yeah, man, I hated that and I, I hated uh, Trish. Or, or Tasha, depends what her name is. But so yeah, and that, that footage because um, uh, Tom Walker brought this up in the last episode. Whenever they use footage, and they use it a lot, 
like some stock footage. It's the lowest res, shittest looking stuff. I know, but it's so I, bad. I kind of liked that it was low res. It was also like almost inspiring to me where I was like, you know, you can pretend anything's anywhere if you just buy <laughs> one cent stock footage off the internet and you're like, yeah, ah, I'm in Spain. Insert Shutterstock image of Barcelona. Yeah, man. And it's like, it is quite inspiring because back in the day they didn't have access to um to the internet. Yeah. Not really. Not to buy not to buy footage like this. They had to probably they'd have some Hollywood I marketplace yeah, yeah. to get it. But we could we could make our own porno guy and we could set it anywhere by simply spending a few hundred dollars on um some footage of uh the Florida Keys. I think, I think- the setting and the archival footage of the Florida Keys is less of interest in the world where we're making a porno than the actual porn component of our porno. Mm, could be right. I think, what would it be? It'd be like friendship porn. Just a couple of guys sitting down, <laughs> getting along, bearing their nah. souls. We, maybe we would write a really good porno. Someone, someone recently was criticizing um, the way that men hug to me. She was saying, why do men hug like that? Because, because I think we were watching some sort of uh, some lads walking down a street and they were, they hugged, mm. but their their shoulders get close together and their arms wrap around each other, but they keep their waists and legs at distance. And she was like, "Do do men hug like that so that they don't touch penises?" Yeah, I think so. But I was saying, I don't. It's not, not a not, conscious decision, but I'd say that's probably not correct. all men hug like that. Some of my best not, hugs I, I have with the lads. Hashtag. Not all men. <laughs> That's right. I believe we are using that correctly, mm-hmm. as we some always of, are. Sorry, you, some of your best hugs uh, tip uh, to tip? The, yeah, yeah. Well, not even deliberately tip to tip, but just oblivious to the placement of respective tips. Just a mm. nice, hearty hug with a friend. You know, because when you've got a friend in need, sometimes what they need is a hug. And sometimes what a hug needs is the tips of a couple of penises, gently, platonically, pressing up against each other through four layers of fabric. In this world, both men are wearing underpants and shorts or trousers. It was a nice reminder of all of the lands that we've travelled to throughout the previous half dozen episodes. The Arc de Triomphe makes an appearance. Um, The Golden Gate Bridge, that famous Full House intro. Uh, You know, I'm half expecting the Tanner family to pop up, but instead... We've got a naked woman having sex with an alien. A Full House porn parody set in the adult world of Full House. Is... <laughs> it should be called Full Frontal House. Yeah, it kind of makes sense, but it's also grotesque. And I regret even opening up the world. Whatever happened to respectability? <laughs> the milkman, the paper boy. A roll inside me. <laughs> <laughs> Delivery. I reckon that's good. It's just a, a selection of people coming to the tan house. Like, well, it, yeah, no, this is fucked up, though. So who's having the sex? Well, didn't Stephanie... Did Bob Stephanie Saget. do... Yes. Yeah. <laughs> God, that's so... It's such an undesirable watch, you know? Did um the young woman who played Stephanie go on to do adult films, or did I make that up? Uh, no, I don't know that you made that up. But I also can't remember the particulars. I know that um, the fallout of being a child star was not easy for the actor. That I do yeah. remember. 
but I think I, she had some addiction problems. I believe so too. But let's you know, instead of diving into the world of the you know the pitfalls of huge success, young. What I'm going for is moderate success very slowly into my old age. And even moderate's probably being generous. Um, let us instead talk about the lands that they visited and the reason for visiting these lands because this is uh, there is a, uh, an element of finality to this episode. Emmanuel in space. We see Trisha having sex with the Matador. We're back on the spaceship and Hafron and Emmanuel and everyone is there and they're saying, hey, this is it. We've come to the end of the road. And... Uh, before we part, it's important we reflect upon where we've been, we reflect upon lessons learned, and to do that, why don't we just watch the footage back? And that's exactly what they do. And Hafron keeps hammering the idea that, you know, and they touched on this in the last episode, that humans are so unlike anyone they've seen, they're so full of contradictions, and, you know, we try and dominate each other through warfare Love and sex is a very complicated experience that, you know, he hasn't seen the likes of, and it will be very difficult for him to explain this on his home planet. And all this got me to think, and do you know the, the franchise I'd like to see spun out of this would be, because it sounds like the planet they come from, sexuality doesn't exist. So their return to this planet, enlightened by sexuality. Also, we don't know what corporal form they take on their home planet. They're only yeah. look, they only look like humans because they were mimicking where they were visiting. Mm-hmm. I would love to see Emmanuel go back with them to their home planet and try to learn how they fuck or whatever the equivalent version of it is. Well, we know that they don't, um, they definitely don't have sex uh, because of the speech that we got in the, I think the very last outing of Emmanuel in space. Everyone was talking about how like, Humans invent a lot of stuff because they've got passions and they've got they they fuck and they get angry, um. But it creates a lot of inventiveness and that they don't have that on their planet. And he said previously that they don't like no one else really goes around the universe warring with each other. That's just a human thing that we do. Do you think the reason that uh, Hafron species travel through the galaxy inspecting others and we mm-hmm. don't in this world, or as as I understand it in general? Is because we do have sex to distract ourselves with. Sex and procreation. And so instead of building a spaceship and being as far ahead in terms of matching our intelligence to our ability to travel through space, we've sort of we constantly hamstring ourselves by having sex for pleasure, also having sex for procreation and then tending to our spawn, our progeny. Nah. I reckon it's encouraging us to go to space. There's um there's a there's there's a whole school of thought that a lot of human progress has been um, because we live or have lived so far, not solely, but by and large in a very patriarchal society, that it's just dudes building monuments either to their own genitals or to uh, to try and impress women and be like, see, I've got the biggest schlong building. And that gets taken to space exploration as well because what does a rocket look like, especially these new ones? Looks like a big dick. Exploring space. So what? So the, without this focus on our on on are genitals, say, are you saying, Tim, that the only reason we've gotten anything done is because of the patriarchy? No, not at all. Because it, it sounds like some, that's what you're saying. <laughs> no, no. Some other people have said that. Oh, I, I wouldn't see. say that. It sounds like that's what you're parroting. Um, I was just trying to come up with a counterpoint to what you were saying, but I don't know if it makes any sense. 
I'm, I was just imagining that Hafron is so thrown by the fact that we're all having sex and whatnot. And also, mm. like, seems to be so impressed by us and how, I don't know that contented is the right word, but, like, self-contained humans and earthers, you know? We're creating such a mess for ourselves on Earth that there's no need or desire to go beyond it. The only person who's really looking into that right now is Elon Musk, who's like, man, I'm done here. Musk is getting all the press, but Bezos is trying. Really? He's, he's also, Yeah, he's got a space program as well. He's, What's it he's called? Trying to get out. I can't remember. I don't know what his one's called. Mm. But Elon's SpaceX, right? Yeah. It's his big schlong rockets. Yeah, big schlong rockets. You know what we ha- we need to get back to though is the ocean. People people stop paying attention to the ocean. We still don't know that much about it. I tell we you, we don't explore it, it very it much. Didn't stop thinking about the ocean. James Cameron, that guy, yeah, that guy is obsessed loves the with the ocean. Yeah, all he wants to do is make Avatar movies on a timeline of his choosing, <laughs> and go as far underwater as is humanly possible. I mean, it's pretty crazy that it took a successful Hollywood director to have the resources and inclination to rediscover the Titanic, you know? The Titanic was a pretty big deal. We talk about it a lot, but no one had found the, like, biggest, most significant part of the wreck until James Cameron was like, I'm going to go find it, and then he fucking did. Yeah. He's a film director. It's crazy. We wouldn't talk about it as much as we do if not for James Cameron. He made a movie literally reintroducing the memory of it to the conversation. It's like, hey, do you, I, do you guys remember this? Know, and everyone was like, uh, I don't know, James. And he was like, I think you're going to fucking remember this. <laughs> do, you, do you really think the movie has a lot to do with why we kind of think about it and talk about it? 100%. Before the movie Titanic came out, I didn't know the Titanic existed. Are you serious? Of course I'm fucking serious. I was like seven. I didn't care about a ship sailing from Ireland to New York. That's crazy. It was like, I feel like it's one of those big things like dinosaurs and space when you're a kid. There's like a whole thing on natural disasters where you learn about um, the uh, Titanic. Pompeii, the ti- Pompeii, the Hindenburg, and Titanic, the big three. Those are not, uh, Titanic's not a natural disaster. Not, yeah, that's true. It's not a natural disaster. It was caused by an iceberg, it. though. Yeah, it was caused by a ship. Driving into an iceberg. <laughs> Not by like an iceberg springing itself on a ship. Oh, it depends who you ask. If you ask the captain. Well, you can't, can you? Because, <laughs> yeah, it's so funny. It's like a good cap noise goes down with his ship. <laughs> and his entire track record is that this guy's a pretty lousy captain. He has yeah. every reason to try and survive. That's a good point. If your ship's going down, I think you've got your get out of jail free card because <laughs> you're no longer a good captain. <laughs> You got permission to bail at that point. Yeah. So a noble speaking captain of, lives with the consequences. Speaking of um, getting on the water, we got a delightful flashback to the Emmanuel in Space episode where uh, they're on that riverboat casino. I assume it's a casino. Why else would you have a boat like that that you're going to stay on for more I, than one day? I hated that. That was the first or second one where Hafron was learning about sex and sexuality and he yeah. was like learning how to fuck and having different... I felt physically ill... Watching Hafron, this like with the mentality of a child, learn about having sex with other people. I genuinely, 
I hated yeah, it. I sort of it, it made me realize I was grateful for the character development that they'd imbued him with. It was like at least by the end of the franchise, we're dealing with a flawed but rounded adult watching like uh, a grown man pretend to have the mental aptitude of a nine-year-old mm. while having sex with a, a myriad of adult women is um well to call it a boner kind of to, to call eh? it a boner killer would be wrong because there was no boner to kill tim yeah they do the same thing with theo as well again and again he's like this this comedy man child yeah, yeah. character but, they, but he, he was, does get his end off sometimes he was he was comedy the whole way through you you observed it to me that all of his escapades are scored by what well, it's like a bassoon or something uh, yeah. I, I said it was a tuba in my message but i i think yeah it's some big deep horn instrument and like that kind of there's a very specific scale you can do on an electric organ where it's just like this is comedy. it's like being at a clown show and every scene that has Theo in it, they score it in that way. I actually do think, though, that he's a character ripe for a spin-off. Mm. Because although the concept of him um, having sex is disgusting um, to me and quite repellent, because despite the fact that he would be quite hot if he just didn't say anything, they've made this character kind of, as, as you're saying with Heffron, he's like... It, it's it's just putting a six-year-old in an adult's body, which is a pretty gross line to play with for adult sex. But he is very funny, and he's a like big physical performer, and all his like movements and scenes that he's in, he really does dial that comedy knob up. And I think he's got the wherewithal to carry his own franchise. You mean uh, the actor within the character as well? Because he's that character, he's in, Theo. Um, that guy is in Realty now. What's Realty? He's a Realtor. Oh right, gotcha. I thought there was like a I've series been on his about Instagram. real estate agents. He's in the like. top five hundred Realtors in California or yeah, something, and he's looking forward right. to a COVID-free twenty twenty-one. So the guys, Aren't we all plugged in and switched on. Um, speaking of bet catalogs as well, I was looking up. Uh, Hafron discovered that he is in basketball briefly Paul Michael Robinson Paul Michael Robinson his name is my name too he's also in Bruce Almighty really um, which is interesting because because... Krista Allen's also starred in a Jim Carrey vehicle exactly she's in Liar Liar so I'm thinking is Jim Carrey casting his his films from Emmanuel in space no but maybe he's a Jim Carrey's off the you know, he's he's Jim Carrey in space, as far as I can tell right now. That guy's on a different planet. Is he? What's he up to? He just published a what's well, called a novel. It's like a um, this is like a manifesto, or yeah, it's like a blended uh, memoir, but mostly uh, fictionalized. He co-wrote with some author, and I listened to a podcast about its writing, and it sounded I don't know, full on. He's full on. Jim Carrey, yeah, he is. childhood idol, full on dude. Yeah, do you think people not from New Zealand understand what that saying means? Because I say it often, and I, I do on. wonder. Yeah, yeah, yeah. I guess it means intense, doesn't it? Yeah. And and usually, like, way too intense. Yeah, it was pretty full on in New Zealand, is like saying it was too much, which is probably yeah. also colloquialism. <laughs> You're too much. Um, 
What else have we got to discuss within the actual world of Emmanuel 7, the meaning of love? Tim, I put it to you. What is mm-hmm. the meaning of love as learned by these seven ah. softcore pornography films? Well, I'm just remembering the great advice and discussions that we had on the ship um, in between the scenes of flashing back to the previous six movies where we, we dissected the lessons learned. One is that um, sex and love are two different things. Another is that, according to Emmanuel, uh, oh no, what was she saying? Emmanuel, who I, I continue to believe is a pretty sound teacher. Like, for someone that they just picked up on the side of the road as an instructor for an entire alien species on human love and sex, they could have done a lot, a lot, a lot worse. Hell yeah. And to get um, a bit more meta on it as well, Krista Allen also. I I can say this now. We're at the end of the road of her run of Emmanuel. I think she did a fantastic job. She was given such crazy scripts, such terrible actors to work against. And Hefron gets a turn in this one. We're right at the end of the movie. It's like, I'm not fully sure what happened, but at the very, very end, Krista Allen is like, okay, I'm back to Earth now. You guys are going to bugger off to the rest of the galaxy or the universe and keep exploring. So this is this is the end of our time together. So Krista Allen is on a pier. I'm not sure where she is. Let's say Santa Monica. And she's looking through a telescope and she sees all of these people enjoying their lives and activities. And it's kind of like, hey, you're back. You can, you can be back part of the world. You could be on a boat. You could be on the beach. You could go swimming. And then she spies someone who looks exactly like Hafron fishing off the pier. And she goes to walk over to him and she's like, are you Hafron? And he goes, no, I wish I was though. Because obviously she's a beautiful woman who's just come up to him randomly. And she says, do you want to get a cup of coffee? And he says, I don't drink coffee. Oh, wait a minute. Sure, that sounds really nice. And his, because we've never quite known if the guy portraying Hafron was a bad actor or if he was just making some choices for this alien that's a dumb shit. Yeah, yeah. But it turns out the kid can't act. Yeah. He, uh, and we know that now. I know. I actually went on his, um, there's this website called peoplepill.com. And on Sounds good. Paul Michael Robinson's website, there's a, um, a paragraph on his time in Emmanuel in Space, which reads, Paul was cast as the lead opposite Christa Allen in the erotic epic Emmanuel in Space. The role enabled him to show that he had quite a presence as an actor and comedian. It also allowed him to showcase Did it? his physical we agree with that? attributes and beauty. Emmanuel in Space remains one of the pioneering softcore films and continues to find new audiences and fans. I totally agree with you, Tim. For seven episodes, we were like, maybe he's just doing a really good job of portraying this stilted person or alien who doesn't quite jive with, you know, being a person. And then they gave him a chance at the very end. And if they'd left it out... Yeah, we'd never know. We'd never know. We'd be like, well, you know, he made some decisions. He stuck with them. Good on him. But (laughs) right at the end, they're like, and by the way, your instincts were right. This guy can't (laughs) act. Also, I thought it was so arrogant of Hafron because I feel like he teed all of this up. It's like Mm -hmm. he's had this really open-minded teacher, this incredible experience traveling through Earth, having sex with a variety of people, usually sort of gravitating back towards Emmanuel. They had some sort of bond that transcended just instructor and pupil and then she's like all right guys time to go and everyone on the ship's like ah it might be a bit dicey for you emmanuel remember 
you know, remember how the FBI or, you know, remember mm. how these people were after us? And Emmanuel's like, nah, I got to go back to Earth. And so they don't talk about it. She doesn't ask for anything. They just drop her on a pier in Santa yeah. Monica, which seems insane. Like, you'd probably put her back in her house, but okay. She takes that totally in stride. They leave some hints to find out, you know, like for, I don't know, they leave a, there's a quarter on the, on the pier and she puts it into one of those telescopes, as you've said, and finds this Heffron lookalike. I'm like, Heffron, you fucking arrogant prick. Like, you've just set this woman free from being an instructor on your spaceship. You know, you've turned her back out into the, into the world to, to find love with whoever she, she, she so chooses. And you've created or like imbued this person to look exactly like you, as though the first thing she's going to want to do after spending all this time on the spaceship is continue having sex with someone who has exactly your physical characteristics. That's so true, man. Boy, is that true. If you've been eating ice cream for a week and nothing but, and then they're like, you can eat whatever you want now, you're going to go back to ice cream? I don't think so. Even if it's ice cream, you don't want it. That's right. Too much of anything. Too much half wrong. Um, I also wanted to talk about that the sort of that quarter that you put in the binoculars or telescope so you can see around. It looked like you. a dime to me. It was cheap. I don't think it was a quarter. It must have been a quarter. I always assume it's a quarter. But like, it must have been a quarter. I remember I used um, one of those equivalents at a a very a, a building in Athens, Greece once, and it's like you put a quarter into like binoculars at a very high or useful viewing vantage point, mm-hmm. and the binoculars were just pointing directly into like apartment buildings way, way, way away. And I was like, this feels illegal and kind of crazy. <laughs> and it, Emmanuel was doing it too, where she put the quarter and started pointing the telescope at the beach. It's like all these people on the beach, hundreds of meters away, who have no idea someone is just observing them. Like, Isn't that funny? In it's up like- close detail. Because those, those like telescopes and binoculars are all over the world and are coin operated. And they're always portrayed in film and television with these very romantic, kind of glamorous notions that you're in a metropolitan city, you want to see the sights, you want to like do some, some people watching. But ultimately, it's just incredibly voyeuristic it's sp- and a massive invasion of privacy. Massively. It's spying. And I always think about, and they're all, and they're at the beach often as well. So you're you're, you're, you're just vulnerable. looking at all these half naked people. Yeah, spying. When you're a child, you get you can get given like a spy kit, and you're taught to like dust for fingerprints and use binoculars and a magnifying glass and all this stuff. And then at some point, we're like, unless you're going to become a professional spy, it's like we do not do any of that stuff. We do not <laughs> snoop. We do not look at other people if they don't know. It is. Yeah. wholly inappropriate. You're like, well, maybe you shouldn't have literally armed me with the exact equipment to learn how to do this in my formative years. Yeah, and really romanticize the notion to me that this is what we should all be doing as adults. That is a weird thing we give to kids. Why do we do that? It's fun to be a snoop. Because there's just a lot of toys involved, isn't there? A lot of cheap accoutrement. Mm. You can have a magnifying glass, um, a notepad. Have you ever solved uh, a crime? <clears throat> God, I wish that I had. I don't think I've solved a single crime in my whole crummy life. Mm. I'm trying to think. I haven't had a lot of interaction with police, to be honest. Mm. Um, I've, I haven't been arrested yet, which is good. Uh, I like I that some... you say yet. 
Yeah. Shit, yeah, you got to give... Well, I think you've at least got to get arrested once or a couple times in your life. I don't think you do. I th- I think... I will con- I will honestly consider my life a failure if I never get arrested. If I don't get arrested once, I'll be like, fucking hell, man. Sort it out. Okay. I'll be gutted. I'll be absolutely gutted. That's a very, that's a very sort of Kiwi attitude, I think. Yeah, perhaps. White Kiwi attitude. I don't know about that. I've been watching, um, uh, I often watch a lot of documentaries about activists. I'm like, fuck yeah. Ah, true. Go get amongst. Mm. Fuck up some police. Yeah, man. You've got to put that on record before you do it as well. Yeah, absolutely. So that they can play it back in the courts and be like, his intent was bad. (laughs) (laughs) So you've not solved a crime. Don't think I've ever solved a crime. Sometimes I, I've got, I had a flashback to when this was, this, this was one of the, I cannot think of a time. Oh, this is top three saddest I've ever been. I think I was like nine years old. My dad went to um, England and came back and bought us these beautiful, like, uh, like a, what the Americans would call a fanny pack. Bum bag. A bum bag made of, uh, it was like a suede kind of material, I think. It was kind of leather mm. suede thing. Mm. It was so, so nice mm. for a kid to have. And um, I put all my marbles in there, and then it got stolen at school, and I was just beside myself. It would myself. be, understandably. And to, to this day, position. the crook roams free. Yeah, they were never fingered, as I like to say. We never managed to finger that criminal. Kids love... Because it is a crime. I don't care if you're seven years old. If you stole something, you're a criminal. It's a... um For life? <laughs> yeah, I guess so. Kids love marbles, huh? They love mm. those little balls of marble. <laughs> well, they're glass. They were a real currency back in the day. And I don't know if people still kind of mess with them. But it is an artifact from my youth that does make me sound like I am 80. Yeah, no, well, you'd, but you'd be surprised. In, in this very house in which I live, one of the residents, who is five, loves yes. marbles, has no practical application for them, doesn't like know what to do with them beyond yeah. putting them in a little coin purse, walking around, showing them to people, taking yeah. them out, putting them back in. Ready to pop the question? The jewelers at BlueNile.com have got sparkle down to a science with beautiful lab-grown diamonds worthy of your most brilliant moments. Their lab-grown diamonds are independently graded and guaranteed identical to natural diamonds, and they're ready to ship to your door. Go to BlueNile.com and use promo code LISTEN to get $50 off your purchase of $500 or more. That's code LISTEN at BlueNile.com for $50 off. BlueNile.com, code LISTEN. Hiring for your small business? If you're not looking for professionals on LinkedIn, you're looking in the wrong place. That's like looking for your car keys in a fish tank. LinkedIn helps you hire professionals you can't find anywhere else, even those who aren't actively searching for a new job but might be open to the perfect role. In a given month, over 70% of LinkedIn users don't even visit other leading job sites. So start looking in the right place. With LinkedIn, you can hire professionals like a professional. Post your free job on linkedin.com people today. Quality sleep is essential. That's why the Sleep Number Smart Bed is designed for your ever-evolving sleep needs. Need a bed that's firmer or softer on either side? Helps you sleep at a comfortable temperature? 
Sleep Number smart beds let you individualize your comfort, so you sleep better together. J.D. Power ranks Sleep Number number one in customer satisfaction with mattresses purchased in-store. And now, save 40% on the Sleep Number limited edition smart bed for a limited time. For J.D. Power 2023 award information, visit jdpower.com slash awards. Only at Sleep Number stores or sleepnumber.com. Do you reckon humans have, do you reckon there's something like, there's something in our DNA that attracts us to like gemstones and things that look like them? I guess. Because we've got, we've got all these like myths and nurture style question there. But there's just too much convergent culture that is all about us wanting like shiny, precious stones. Mm. I I'm mainly basing this on a video essay that I watched while I was supposed to be doing work yesterday, comparing um, the Avengers movies to the the Justice League DC equivalent, and how they're like identical. It's just all the same thing, and it's all centered around like these these fucking gemstones or a magic box. And there's so much like myth and legend from all over the world, like completely divergent cultures that really like shiny stones Dra- and magic Dragon boxes. Ball Z, mm. Pokemon, you're collecting badges. Pokemon's a bit different, but yeah, Pokemon's a bit more um, animal centric, which is nice. It's about living things. Love to see rather than property. There must be some really good bestial Pokemon erotic fan fiction. Oh yeah, I guess so. I'd love to see a Nido King and a Nido Queen just absolutely going hammer and tongs. It would. It, I reckon it'd be. Have you seen footage of those turtles from the Galapagos Islands? And they make those crazy sounds. They're like, ooh. <laughs> they try to mount each other over no. and over again, but the shells get in the way. I've not seen that. But oh man, the sounds! Yeah, hearing that noise <laughs> is as good a time as any to remind me that I've got a visitor. Boner inspector. Hello, 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 sir. I'd like to inspect your undergarments, please. Man, I'm so sorry to report that I didn't get a boner because that means that I've gone through the entire manual and space with that one. Though, can I tell you who I thought like sort of deserved one was the there was a beautiful um person on the ship mm. I, I didn't kid oh i think her name's cara and she's like the only person who can act yeah. among the aliens dude. and she's very beautiful dude right there with you when she's like telling hefron she's like we can show the people on our planet what we've learned and hefron's like yes. what and she's like we can show them yeah and she is beautiful but also acting with such supreme ability and confidence that it's like you're pulled into a different movie where you're like it's crazy because you kind of forget that anyone can act when you're watching the movie and then someone does a good job you're like oh fuck i forgot that's right i thought she was fantastic tim because we're apart and i had to get up early this morning Mm -hmm. and i was i was umming and ahhing over whether to tell you this i was like do you know what i might actively try and get a boner watching the movie today Okay. And I didn't. Ah. Oh. When you say actively try, you mean like physical intervention? Yes. <laughs> okay. I mean intervening with my own body. Like, well, do you know what? what? I guess because this dates back to our first season of the podcast when professional film critic Dom Corey came in and he said, mm. one of the important things you have to do when you're watching or reviewing a film is engage with it on its terms. Yeah. Tim, these movies are not designed to be watched. Uh 
These, I mean, these movies are designed to be watched while jacking it. Jacking it. Yeah. Um, you didn't. You did, but, but just I to confirm, did, I did, no, you didn't no, no, do that I didn't, today. I didn't. I didn't. I didn't do it. If you did, though, I was not if, inspired if you did, to. I respect the fact that you did wait till um we weren't physically together because you know what? I probably wouldn't have loved that. that yeah, yeah. Real Pee Wee Herman situation going on in the that was podcast studio. Part of what inspired the the notion, the very possibility that it was on the cards. But alas, mm. I didn't. Again, not unlike yourself. It's like a, it was a whisper of a bone. It was like this. Yeah, it was like that uh, when there was that acting taking place. But alas, I'm sorry. We must release the boater inspector once again. I mean, this guy's got a very formal, beautiful leather-bound notebook, and all he wants to do yeah. is write down and observe. I know. A single, he's got a whole train, a single boner, or he's got a whole train to check out. A, I guess as Demi would put it, a like clunge plunge or some sort of horrible turn of phrase. How dare you vilify! Demi for bringing in a uh, thesaurus yeah, of yeah. words to describe the female form. Um, we also found out, just you and I, not the movie watcher us, but us doing our background research, that Hefron was, uh, was he an army ranger? He, he was in... Yeah, this is all on the popular website, peoplepill.com, under Paul Michael Robinson's mm-hmm. entry. He was... Um... He served in the United States Army and was stationed at Fort Stewart, Georgia. He was in the 3rd Battalion, 15th Infantry, specializing in comms. He was out before Desert Storm. You fucking loser. (laughs) Get out just before a big operation like that. I don't even know what Desert Storm was. It was the original incursion into um, Iraq, I think. And was this a good idea? The first Gulf War. Um, uh, well, I mean, it was successful, I think, ultimately, but a lot of innocent people died. So how do you want to... Sounds like <laughs> you a want to measure your military reactions. success. Yeah. Goddamn US military. This entire movie, it was kind of interesting because it was told in flashback. It was a composite. It was like, you know, The Simpsons would do occasional episodes like that or Friends, the two uh, television memories that stick out. But um, this one, like the audio quality was different whenever Krista Allen and Paul Michael Robinson or, or Emmanuel and Hafron were reminiscing about it. It was honestly a lot like hearing the actors give us a director's commentary in character. They were just sort of remembering times and places they'd fucked. Yeah, which would have been a way better experience if this genuinely the last movie was uh, just them... Yeah, I'd love to. Yeah, I, yeah, yeah. I'd love to. Or even just a behind the scenes, like a Peter Jackson style Lord of the Rings DVD featurette. I hear that. See them fucking around with each other. I mean, we've watched now the complete Emmanuel and Space Collection, the DVD seven pack. First Contact, mm. The World of Desire, A Lesson in Love, Concealed Fantasy, A Time to Dream, One Last Fling, and The Meaning of Love. One last fling. Which ironically was in the middle of the series. Mm. Uh, do you have a favorite out of all seven? One of the early ones, I think. I can't actually differentiate between them exactly, but maybe um, either like probably a world, probably it was a world of desire or a lesson in love, but it was around the time when we had that comedy director in 
and the, yeah. the franchise was still fresh. And um, actually, when we were back on the, the Riverboat Casino, I remember enjoying that. Like, we were re- reunited with the bartender who hated Hafron for continually having sex with different uh, ship passengers. And also, yeah. like, the chaos of Hafron having sex with everyone and then all of it blowing up in his face. It was like a sort of enjoyable, caperish storyline uh, to, to break up the monotony of the sex. Yeah, it was it was my favorite as well because it actually had some stakes and uh, Hafron and Emmanuel had a falling out and yeah. Emmanuel, I mean Hafron was really fucking around there doing a lot of shape shifting, doing a lot of tricking. Yeah, there's uh, it was also it was, actually it was the punk episode. Which, there's a nice little moment at the end of this movie when they were trying to figure out how Emmanuel would go back to Earth and stay safe, and Hafron was like, "Wow, we can just change how you look," and starts like ripping through different. <laughs> woman like he just that was so messed up he was using his remote to just be like you could look like this or this or this and there's just all these different reflections you're of changing the, the complete the same physical outfit. composition yeah. of a human being like you're changing the channel on a television set and emmanuel was like slightly perturbed i would have been a lot yeah, angrier she took it in stride. someone was doing that to me as is her want mm. well it seems appropriate that at the end of the emmanuel in space franchise we introduce our friend George to offer you or I the opportunity to perhaps articulate what you might like to see for a okay a porno. So George, will you will you come on in? Ah yes, hello, it's me, George Lazenby. George Lazenby, it's so good to hear your voice. Well, it's so good to have my voice and my ability to listen. I've got a concept for you. Mm. For a film franchise. This isn't just one picture. This is at least a four-picture deal. Fantastic. Have you seen the Emmanuel in Space movies? Hold on. (laughs) Yes. The very thought of it's (laughs) enough to give me a sneeze, otherwise known as one-eighth of an orgasm. I I just want to double-check George Lazenby. Um, Have you had a COVID swab? Have you been... No, no, I don't believe in COVID. (laughs) Okay, good to know. Good addition. Uh, all right. Well, thank God that we're my conducting meals this have been quite bland Zoom. recently, though. Yeah, why is that? I don't know. I keep going out to restaurants, and it doesn't mm-hmm. matter how much salt or pepper or spice I put on the food, I can't taste yeah. a damn thing. Right? How's your sense of smell at the moment, George Lazenby? <laughs> what sense of smell? Okay. All right. Well, hopefully you've still got your sense of film taste because I think you're going to love this. That's not going anywhere. Do you remember popular icon of the Emmanuel in Space episodes, Theo? Yes. Butt of many jokes on the mothership, um, comedy caper extraordinaire, scene stealer. I bought my house from that horny hound. Oh, true, because he's now in real estate. Well... Here's what I'm thinking. I want to revive the character of Theo mm. and give him his own softcore porn franchise. And it's called Theo and the Boys. Okay. Theo uh, is part of a collection of friends. There's five friends, and they're all guys from the ship. So we see them as human beings, but actually they're aliens. They've decided to mutiny from Hafron and leave the ship mm-hmm. and come to Earth. Mm-hmm. Um, so they they are 
through each successive movie trying to bob and weave having the best time that they possibly can and engage with huge uh famous kind of cultural events that people go through in their lives things like spring break um things like mardi gras um, yes. things like a uh, an inauguration uh places where you get drunk and uh Fucking shack suck. up with a bunch of stri- yeah exact so you get it but all the while there's a cat and mouse element to this because they are being tracked by Hafron and the mothership as well and some three-letter agencies on Earth who are aware of the aliens' presence but can never quite catch up to them because they're constantly being It sounds like you're borrowing fairly heavily from the Emmanuel in Space franchise. Uh, Yeah, this is kind of a spun-off, you know, Theo-headed vehicle for an extension of the franchise. And do we see Theo's head? Cockhead? Cockhead, yeah, we see his cockhead. Absolutely, because it's now the year 2021, and if we want to make a dent (laughs) against any of this internet traffic where you can get pornography for free from all stripes and levels of um, intensity, we're going to need to see full pain. Yeah, and maybe Theo has some sort of misunderstanding with a a step-sibling or relative. (laughs) Well, I like how involved you're getting with the, uh, the story pitching of this, George. Tell me more. Well, he uh he he meets someone who's a half alien, half human hybrid and he mm-hmm. says, "Oh, this is interesting." And uh the half alien, half human hybrid says, "I I think your mom and my dad have gotten married." And he says, "It's like a step alien." Yeah, and he says, "Hmm, I'm getting a little confused around the bloodlines here because if the person is half alien, you know, there's a pretty high chance they're actually related. But either way, uh, they find it all very confusing and arousing. Mm. And maybe they have sex at an inauguration. And then when they get kicked out of the inauguration, they go to uh, Mardi Gras and they have sex there. You're getting it. Exactly. Exactly. And then on to spring break and then to Sydney, Australia for schoolies. Huh. I be- oh, wait, I think that happens somewhere on the else, actually. Coast, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Sure. <laughs> I get it. They take a road trip from Sydney to the Gold Coast in a car. It's, hey, it's pretty full on. We need to hammer out some of the finer details, but the broad strokes have me broadly stroking <laughs> myself. <laughs> Very good. All right. Well, George, do we have a deal? Yeah, man. See ya. Lovely guy. Really good <laughs> okay, guy. Great. Well, I'm glad we could get something across the line. I feel like um, he can be. He's a fair. He's actually a fair judge. You know what I mean? Like he won't green light total shit. Yeah. But he'll tell you when you're onto something. Unpredictable, and some of the stuff he's into is borderline. But yeah. Mm, Shout mm. out to George Lazenby. Shout the out. Last real uh, Bond. All right. Well, look. Let's stop talking. Let's end this episode. Okay. I'm done. Yeah, great. But before we do go, we simply must tell you about the live stream that is happening in just a few days. This is a live table read of the pilot episode of the new Sex in the City season that Guy and I have penned. It is fantastic, and it's going to feature some of our comedy friends. And uh, it's also supporting not just us, but also 
a um, Brooklyn-based theatre called Littlefield who have hosted us previously in a, I can say this confidently, The Good Guys. Yeah, they are. So it depends where you are. But I'm going to imagine right now you're in America. So this Thursday, at the eight, on the 18th of February, 9 p.m. Eastern Standard Time or 6 p.m. Pacific Standard Time, that is when the live stream is taking place in New Zealand. That is 3 p.m. on Friday, the 19th of February. In other places like the UK, it is at the unwatchable and unusable time of 3 a.m. But you will be able to get it um, after the fact. We'll, That's right. We're going to sort something out so that you can you can see it after the fact. And I can't announce who it is, but we have got a very, very, very special guest who will be moderating a Q&A for us um, on the live stream. So uh, do join us. Absolutely worth getting along for that alone. If you want tickets and you don't already have them, head along to worstideaofalltime.com forward slash stream. Um, it's cheap. It's, gonna, it's, it's eight gonna US be, dollars. And that's yeah. just a recommended donation. That's right. So. We look forward to seeing you. Yeah. Being, being online at the same time as you in a known capacity. We'll see you. Bye. Hey, it's Paige DeSorbo from Giggly Squad. High quality fashion without the price tag. Say hello to Quince. I'm snagging high-end essentials like cozy cashmere sweaters, sleek leather jackets, fine jewelry, and so much more. With Quince being 50 to 80% less than similar brands. And they partner with factories that prioritize safe, ethical, and responsible manufacturing. I love that. Luxury quality within reach. Go to quince.com slash style to get free shipping and 365-day returns on your next order. Quince.com slash style. Planning for your next trip? Elevate your travel style with Quince. Quince has all the jet-setting essentials you'll want for your next getaway, like European linen, premium luggage options, buttery soft Italian leather bags, and so much more. And it's all priced at 50 to 80% less than similar brands. Plus, Quince only works with factories that use safe and ethical manufacturing practices. Pack your bags with high-quality essentials you'll be wearing for vacations to come with Quince. Go to quince.com pack for free shipping and 365-day returns.